Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. It's time once again for FOMO Friday, where we bring you the news that you may or may not have heard about. We don't want you to have that fear of missing out, particularly if you don't listen to the propaganda media. And some have questioned why we call them the propaganda media. And the answer is really simple. I mean, their mission is not journalism and the reporting of news. It is to change the world as they see it through biased stories designed to get you to think their way. And in a series of articles by the Daily Wire, Joseph Curl says, Back when I covered the White House for a national newspaper in the aughts, I got word of some internal deliberations going on at the Associated Press. Now, for the record, the longtime wire service provides news to newspapers and, and news websites. And guess what? Most of them are liberal. <laughs> so, so, and you can't blame them, the AP delivers liberal news for their liberal readers. That's just business. So, it turned out the AP was sick of all this balanced, just the facts, ma'am, news stuff. The powers that be at the Associated Press decided it no longer had to present two opposing sides equally. Instead, top editors there agreed they would determine what viewpoint would be stressed and what viewpoint would be minimized. The AP then proceeded to cover President George W. Bush in the most biased manner, becoming a mere shadow of its former greatness. Since then, the wire service has become little more than a democratic organ spewing out the party's talking points. So sure, you could certainly say journalism was grievously wounded back then. But the libs in the newsroom are back to fire off a final kill shot. Former executive editor of the Washington Post, Leonard Downey Jr., and former CBS News president, Andrew Hayward, interviewed more than 75 media leaders and put together their findings in a report entitled Beyond Objectivity, Producing Trustworthy News in Today's Newsroom. Its conclusion, objectivity in the media is now considered reactionary, even harmful. Emilio Garcia Ruiz, he's the editor-in-chief at the San Francisco Chronicle, went so far as to say, objectivity has got to go. That's his quote. This is right in line with what liberal professors are teaching liberal students in liberal learning institutions. And it's now all about advocacy, pushing one side. And every fledgling journalist wants to be an activist that promotes change, right? Quote, many forces have eroded public trust in journalism over the years. Additionally, the traditional standard of objectivity has lost its relevance for a new generation of journalists and news consumers. This is what Downey and Hayward wrote. Quote, this report and accompanying playbook offer 
actionable guidelines to help news organizations restore a belief in the value of fair, based reporting and trustworthy news. We provide a fresh vision for how to replace outmoded objectivity with a more relevant art um, actuation of journalistic standards. This is what they wrote. Now, the new edict of new journalism comes as as Bob Woodward, uh, who, along with Carl Bernstein, helped break uh, Watergate, as you may remember, uh, and finally acknowledged that the Russian collusion uh, coverage during the, the former President Donald Trump's term lacked objectivity <laughs> and resulted in false reporting. <laughs> you don't say. In a, in a report for a Columbia Journalism Review, journalist Jeff Gerth interviewed media and political figures who pushed the Russiagate, which, of course, turned out to be completely false. Quote, Bob Woodbird of The Post told me that news coverage of the Russia inquiry wasn't handled well <laughs> and and that they they thought viewers and readers had been cheated he urged newsrooms to walk down the painful road of introspection is what girth wrote <laughs> something tells me they're not going to do that <laughs> but but the idea of of presenting news in an unbiased fashion allowing both sides an opportunity to explain its position has been dying for a while Back in, in 2021, NBC Nightly News anchor Lester Holt declared fairness is overrated. <laughs> Quote, the idea that we should always give two sides equal weight and merit does not reflect the world we find ourselves in. That the sun sets in the West is a fact. Any contrary view does not deserve our time or attention, Holt said. Now, of course, <laughs> that's a, a simply oversimplification of things, right? What about complex issues like abortion or climate change, anything coming out of the White House or the, or the Capitol? Nothing ever is, is, is ever that clear cut. But Holt said there's no longer any need for a journalist to give both sides of a story equal weight. Here's what he said, quote, Decisions do not give unsupported arguments equal time are not a uh, dereliction of journalistic responsibility or some kind of agenda. In fact, it's just the opposite, Holt said. Providing an open platform for misinformation for anyone to come and say whatever they want, especially when issues of public health and safety are at stake, can be quite dangerous, unquote. <laughs> oh, it's dangerous now. Quote, our duty is to be fair to the truth. Holding those in power accountable is at the core of our function and responsibility. We need to hear our leaders' views, their policies, and reasoning. It's really important, but we have to stand ready to push back and call out falsehoods, unquote. And, and really, never forget... Journalists now decide what the truth is, don't they? No, no wonder Americans have given up on, on its media. And you, and you remember back, 
oh, about a month before the 2020 presidential election, right? Joe Biden's son, Hunter, had a laptop that the contents came out that, that among other things, and there was a lot of things on that laptop, but Joe Biden was getting money from foreign powers. It was called Russian disinformation by the propaganda media. Remember this? This whole operation looks right out of the Kremlin playbook. The playbook of Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation put into the haystack. Russian disinfo. Sounds like bullshit. I mean, who takes a laptop with their most personal information, drops it off, and never comes back for it? <laughs> you read the book and you'll realize that I wasn't keeping the tabs on possessions very well for about a four-year period of time. The Russian disinformation campaign. Disinformation from the Russians. Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. The Biden campaign says this is Russian disinformation. There's overwhelming evidence that the Russians are engaged. Russians are engaged. It's a Russian plan. Russian disinformation. Nobody believes it except his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. So could have been yours. Of course, certainly. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. History will expose you all as fools and useful idiots for the Russians. (laughs) The idiocy. The sheer idiocy. (laughs) 50 former intelligence officials signed on to a letter yesterday saying that the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's emails has all of the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. Russia, Giuliani. Don't trust anything that he's telling you. This is Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation meant to harm our democracy. Disinformation by the Russians. The fruits of a foreign intelligence operation. Part of that bigger Russian disinformation effort. A Russian intelligence operation connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort linked to a foreign intelligence operation connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort tied to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort connected to a Russian disinformation campaign linked to a foreign intelligence operation likely coming from Russian right Russian intelligence two people familiar with the matter told NBC News we now know that Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation or even this you know campaign disinformation period is as dangerous to our democracy as anything exposed in these emails. So now that we know that it was not Russian misinformation, all these years later, Hunter admits it's his and he's mad about it. (laughs) Hunter Biden's legal team demanded federal and state criminal investigations into individuals involved in sharing the contents of his infamous laptop that was first reported on October 2020 by the New York Post. In the letters to the Department of Justice, the Delaware Attorney General, and the IRS Hunter Biden's counsel admits that the information contained on the laptop does, in fact, belong to Hunter Biden. According to the computer repair shop owner, John Paul Mac Isaac, he took uh, possession of the laptop in 2019 and later alerted the FBI about the contents on the computer. He also alleged, uh, allegedly tried to reach Hunter Biden for months to notify him that the laptop was ready to be picked up. And of course, according to his contract, if it wasn't picked up, that it was then his. Now, Isaac allegedly made a copy of the laptop and gave it to Rudy Giuliani's personal attorney, Robert J. Costello. Now, federal attorneys took possession of the laptop in December of 2019. Yes, the federal attorneys 
and authorities took possession of the laptop in December of 2019. The letter from Hunter Biden's lawyers asks for investigation into Isaac, Giuliani, Costello, Steve Bannon, ex-Trump aide um, Garrett Ziegler, Bannon associate Jack Maxey, and cyber analysis firm executive Yakov um, Apelabom, I guess is how you pronounce his last name. I probably slaughtered it, but, but <laughs> Biden's lawyers claim that there is considerable reason to believe that those individuals violated various law, federal uh, laws in accessing, copying, manipulating, and or disseminating Mr. Biden's personal computer data. Now, CNN reported that Hunter Biden's legal team also sent a cease and desist letter to Fox News host Tucker Carlson and demanded a retraction of a segment that Car- uh, Carlson uh, broadcasts on on the on the laptop. But it gets even better from here. I mean, you don't you just, you just can't make this stuff up. Do, do you ever get the sense? That we live in a clown world run by imbeciles? (laughs) I mean, the latest example of the sheer stupidity of our so-called elites can be found in the latest updates regarding Hunter Biden's infamous laptop from hell. (laughs) On Wednesday, Biden, the youngest legal team, sent a letter to the United States Department of Justice and the Delaware Attorney General requesting an investigation into the lap the individuals for whom there is considerable reason to believe violated various federal laws in accessing copying and manipulating and or disseminating Mr. Biden's personal computer data the letters were taken um by many as a sign that that Hunter was finally confirming Hunter's laptop left at John Paul Mac Isaac's repair shop was actually his And readers will remember that 51 former intelligence officers claimed that the New York Post's original 2020 report on the computer was Russian disinformation. And in turn, Twitter censored the story. And, of course, the rest is history. Hunter has never denied or confirmed that it's his laptop. So the, the legal request sent this week appeared to be a stunning admission of that. Then his attorneys released a statement so ludicrous, it's laughable. <laughs> Get this. Biden's counsel claimed that the request for the criminal investigation does not in any way confirm that the laptop is actually his. <laughs> this is what they said. Quote, these letters do not confirm Mac Isaac or others versions of the so-called laptop. Hunter's attorneys, this is this is what... Hunter's attorney Abel, or I'm sorry, Abe Lowell, told Fox News. He said, quote, they address their conduct of seeking, manipulating, and disseminating what they allege to be Mr. Biden's personal data, wherever they claim to have gotten it. Huh? What? I mean, the law offices not confirming that the computer in question and its contents are real? They just want the DOJ to investigate key figures who reported on it and and shared its documents? I mean, where did this this team of attorneys come from? The the law offices of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe? 
I mean, this is ridiculous. Numerous media outlets have verified that the, that the texts, the emails, the photos, uh, other content uh, taken from the laptop are real. We knew that in, in 2020 that it was real, but legacy media outlets only got around to confirming the veracity in 2022. Nonetheless, Hunter's Council says that it, is all one big con played by, you got it, Trump supporters. (laughs) Quote, this failed dirty political trick directly resulted in the exposure, the exploitation, and the manipulation of Mr. Biden's private and personal information. This is what Lowell said in the letter sent to the DOJ. He said, quote, Politicians and the news media have used this unlawfully accessed, copied, distributed, and manipulated data to re, re, uh, to distort the truth and cause harm to Mr. Biden, unquote. <laughs> Biden's legal team also acknowledged their request is mm, unusual. Quote, the actions described above m- more than merit a full investigation and depending on the result, resulting facts may merit prosecution under various statutes. It is not a common thing for a private person and his counsel to seek someone else being investigated, but the actions and motives here require it, Joel said. <laughs> this is what Lowell said in, in his letter. So, so, so let, let's recap. Biden's attorneys understand they are asking for special treatment they claim an investigation into Mr. Biden's personal da- uh, computer data is needed, but then try to argue that they're not saying it's Hunter's laptop. <laughs> Meanwhile, the same computer data could very well lead to the prosecution of Hunter himself. I mean, I, I ideally the letter is ignored entirely, but the president you know, with, with President Joe Biden's DOJ, you can never be sure that it, that it won't be wielded against his political enemies. This, this is a great example of why we call them the propaganda media, because they see their job to be distributing what liberal politicians want, not what the actual facts are. And that is why we do FOMO Fridays here on the podcast, and why you you probably have not heard of this next story, have you? In a move that is just really a bit too on the nose, the Satanic Temple, whose tagline is Empathy, Reason, and Advocacy, has announced that it will be opening a telehealth abortion clinic named TST Health, and it's going to be operating out of out of New Mexico. The group will raise funds to assist girls and women around the country to have access to safe and legal abortions, no matter where they live or what their financial situations may be. So it would appear they will send out pills for, you know, at-home medicated abortions while funding abortion tourism so Americans can travel to states where abortion is legal. The group is doing so because abortion is apparently a religious ritual under Satan's domain. I mean, I'm not making this up. This is what they said. Here it is. Judge for yourself. Quote, as part of our commitment 
to protecting our members' civil rights and ensuring that our religious rituals can be performed without government interference, the clinic represents one of the most important steps we have taken. That's a quote from the group's own website. Abortion, of course, kills an innocent life and takes the the inalienable right of life for the for the child in the room in the womb, and and perhaps it is no surprise then that the Satanic Temple also has the motto, quote, "Thyself is thy master." Hail Satan, unquote. So so call me old fashioned, but I remember when when the devil came as a false angel of light masquerading as something good, not an in your face ode to the murder of another human. <laughs> but you know, what do I know, right? But well, it would appear that the Satanic temple is still trying to come to come to children of of God as as that of light, though, even. I mean, the Satanic Temple is the leading beacon of light, as it says, in the battle for abortion access. I mean, this is this is from their Instagram. And perhaps the messaging is because a gigantic chunk of the population have been brainwashed into believing that abortion is something good that should be celebrated rather than a, you know, barbaric type of thing that should be you know, safe, legal, and rare, as as twice-failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton uh, said many moons ago. But, you know, it, it, of course, should always be illegal. But at least the Democrats of the 90s pre- pre- pretended that they thought it was something to be ashamed of. Now that shame is gone. And, and, and literal followers of Satan openly tout abortion to curry favor with the left. And speaking of currying favor with the left, a New York university will force all incoming freshmen to take a course focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice, or they won't graduate. That's what I said. The members of the SUNY, the State University of New York, Board of Trustees, have mandated the DEISJ course for all freshmen starting the fall of 2023. This is nuts. Professor Nicholas, uh, his, his name, it's it's Nicholas Goridano uh, of the sunny uh, Suffolk Community College. And he told the New York Post this. He said, Sunny is one of the best university systems in the country. Why are they doing this? D-E-I-S-J is a cultural movement not based on academics unfortunately this this is that sunny has responded to the mob now goridano uh, complained the seisj coursework views the united states as inherently racist while creating groups and pitting them against each other he's completely right about that and he added that the curriculum wants students defined by the color of their skin Quote, this is a woke left-wing agenda. This is uh, what Conservative Party of New York Chairman Kerry uh, Kajar uh, said. And he said, quote, it's disturbing. It's dangerous. They're, they're treating everybody as having prejudice. It's like a socialist communist state. It's unbelievable. These ideas are best addressed at home. Now, the guidance from University Faculty Senate 
uh, and faculty council of community colleges and, and campuses encourages the teaching of the course to consider perspectives from outside America writing uh, that, quote, one can imagine how theory and and crit- uh, criticism rooted outside the United States could help guide faculty and students in addressing and thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice in the United States. Now, in September of 2021, the New York State Board of Regents insisted, quote, every New York school district will develop and adopt a diversity, equity, and inclusion educational policy. It is the expectation of the NYS Board of Regents that the department, schools, and districts will implement DEI policies and practices with urgency and fidelity, unquote. I mean, this is what they're this is what they're pushing, and this is just simply a part of that. The Board of Regents will discuss a framework on diversity, equity, and inclusion for the New York State schools, which will serve as a basis for adopting a policy statement. This is what they added. They said, with this framework, the board is ready to address the long history of racism and bigotry and the corrosive impact they have had on every facet of American life, unquote. So again, this is just simply a part of what they're already pushing here. And they're going to continue to do so. And, it's, and, and basically, if you're not a liberal, you're not going to be able to graduate. And, and, and we like to end things here on the podcast, on, particularly on, on FOMO Fridays. We like to, to kind of end things on a lighter note uh, each week. And, and, and this next story is certainly in that vein. <laughs> I've gotten a few laughs uh, at this one already. <laughs> but uh, Senator Bernie Sanders is selling tickets priced as high as $95 for an event that will promote his new book. What's his new book? It's okay to be angry about capitalism. <laughs> this is this is great. Now, <laughs> now, admirers of the Democratic Socialists can purchase seats on Ticketmaster, of course, a company which has recently faced accusations and uh, uh, of anti-competitive practices uh, for practicing. Um, for prices ranging between $35 and $95. This is how much you can spend if you want to go see Bernie Sanders. Now, the event will be hosted on March 1st at the Anthem, which is a a music venue and auditorium in Washington, D.C. And holders of the more expensive tickets will receive a free copy of Sanders' new book, which is available for $28 from Penguin Random House. The publisher, uh, the, the publisher said that the, the lawmaker's work is a, quote, progressive takedown of the uber-capitalist status quo that has enriched millionaires and billionaires at the expense of the working class and a blueprint for what transformal change would actually look like. <laughs> Reflecting on our turbulent times, Senator Bernie Sanders takes on the billionaire class and speaks blunt truths about the country's failure to address the destructive nature of a system that is fueled by uncontrolled greed and rigidity uh, committed uh, to uh, prioritizing corporate 
profits over the, the needs of ordinary Americans. <laughs> the, the, the scribed uh, book also asserts that Sanders believes that in the face of these overwhelming challenges, the American people must ask tough questions about the systems that have failed us and man fundamental economics and political change. This is where the path forward begins. <laughs> So the lawmaker is also uh, hosting a number of of other speaking uh, events where he's charging 40 bucks and, and up. Um, and some of these are going to be in Charlottesville. Um, they're going to be in Virginia and Tucson, Arizona and places like this. Sanders is, is by no means a stranger to uh, accusations of hypocrisy uh, with aspects to his views on wealth and, and accumulation. Uh, why is that? Because Bernie Sanders is a millionaire <laughs> and he owns three homes. <laughs> I mean, Mike Bloomberg, who, of course, ran for president, brought this up at a debate. And what was, you know, his 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 uh, response to this? What was Bernie Sanders response to that? Well, he says, yeah, I, I, he says, uh, I own a house in, in Washington, a home in Burlington and Vermont. And a summer camp. So he, he actually admitted to a fourth one. But anyway, he, here's a guy who is big time into communism and, you know, big time against capitalism, making a ton of money on capitalism and doing capitalistic things. But, you know, hey, I mean, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, of course, his Democrat friend, does the same thing. She wears tax the rich type of dresses and, and sells tax the rich merchandise. I mean, I mean, you can, you can buy thing, a sweatshirt with that on it for 58 bucks or t-shirt for 27 mugs are 27 as well, or you can $27. You can get a tote bag as well with that on it. So as we like to say here on the podcast, if leftists didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. <laughs> you may agree with that. You may disagree with that. I would love to hear from you. I mean, obviously, I'm here to speak with you Monday, Wednesday, Fridays of every week. Uh, but I would love to hear from you. And you can do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.